This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Wood from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. Episode number 139 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here in beautiful Sherrard, Illinois. 1600 Buckslayer Place is the place to be if you're me. That's right. In the studio today, we got Kurt. Hello. Moneybags Mark Rife. Hey. And I'm the round man with the square deal, Steve. <laughs> Hold on to that forever. I cannot live that down. And I'm just so sad that uh, we did a podcast with Philip Vanderpool. Big shout out from The Virtue. Coming this week as well, so stay tuned. Yep, that's coming up, but he didn't say it on the podcast. So uh, you guys didn't get to hear it in real life, but everyone that's in that room, it was the most special moment of my life. So there, I just want to... <laughs> it's a great nickname. It is. And I thought he was... Because I'm a, I'm a big guy, I thought because I was wearing square toe boots... I thought he said the round man with the square deals, like he was, you know. But I thought that's what it was all about anyway. I think it's just a saying. I think it's like a southern saying. I'm not sure. Email us if you want, if you know the answer, workingclassbowhunter at gmail.com. Also, check out workingclassbowhunter.com. We're doing a new thing on the website, uh, featured episodes. Um, this podcast will be a featured episode. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know more about who our guest is or just more information where to find us, go to workingclassbowhunter.com. 
top tab on there is featured episodes. It'll be the latest one in there, and you can see videos and pictures from the episode and all that. So check that out. Something new we're doing. Yeah, and if you guys like us enough, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a rating. Five stars because we think we're worth it, but we're not going to tell you what to do. We could just suggest what we think you should do, but we would appreciate five-star ratings. Moving right along, this podcast is brought to you by 164 Outdoors. Um, Ross Bigger is the man behind 164 um, Elite. Basically, anything the outdoor groups makes or sells, he carries it in his shop. Um, new and used Elite bows. Uh, you got to get out there, check out the new options, the tempo. Um, he's got it all out there. So uh, you want to rattle off a celebrity's phone number for the world to hear? 309-221-2425. <laughs> Ross Bigger, 164 Outdoors. Great beard, great bows, great service. <laughs> also, the podcast is brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, ScentCrusher.com. Uh, everyone knows about Scent Crusher now. Yeah. Taking scent control to the next level. Um, using ozone from the gear bag, the roller bag, the ozone go, um, the closet. They basically got you covered on really – Wherever you're going to store any any of your hunting clothing or gear to eliminate scent, um, it's kind of the uh, the new thing in for scent control, and I think it'll change the way scent is eliminated probably forever in the hunting industry. So, um, scent off, game on. That's right. Also, HHA Sports. Yeah, HHA Sports. Hashtag Single Pin Nation. If you want a site that is made in America, and you're a super fan of Wisconsin. I would suggest you buy an HHA. Lifetime warranty. Lifetime warranty. The best single pin on the market. Now they offer the Virtus, uh, Virtus 22. It'll be out soon in April, yes. I hear. I'll We'll check with uh, our boys at HHA and see for sure when that'll be out. We've, so. got, we've got an inside guy there. But uh, the Virtus 22, 2.2% of those proceeds are going to go to veterans, um, charities that have or that helps support uh, PTSD. So it means a lot to us that they'll donate that money. And I, I don't know what else, you know, you want us to say about that. It's such a huge thing that they're doing that. They're going to have great products. Those are, I believe are going to be fully made in Wisconsin. All American made, all American made. So check that out. And don't forget to check out Smith's custom meats. Scott is, is he done cutting up deer yet? I don't know. We got to call that guy mid March for a phone call. Yeah, I, I was thinking about calling him today, but uh, I did. It's one of those deals that he could be super busy, or he could not be. Uh, check him out, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Next deer season, take your deer to down to Viola. Go give him a shout out. He needs to break in that new freezer. So. Also, for our local listeners, we were supposed to post a uh, a giveaway for um, like twenty five percent off processing at Smith's. Um, Eric kind of dropped the ball in the video, so we're going to record another one <laughs> after this podcast and get it up this week. Um, we have a monster Iowa shed in the studio. Yes. And you're basically have to guess how big it is, and uh, we'll pick a winner. Um, veteran shout-out, Steve does not have one pulled up, but yeah, he's getting it. I got it. I, I got it right here for you, Kurt. So the vet shout-out this week was sent to us by – oh, I hate when iPhones do that, man. Tyler Galloway sent us to this. The vet shout out he wants to give it to is Zach. You guys got to you guys got to include a, how to pronounce these names. Kohan, K O H O N. Zach Kohan. He's been through the ringer and he's uh, helped him get through a lot of good times. So you know, not only is he uh, is he helping us with our freedoms, but he's helping his buddy Tyler out too. Thank you for your service. Thank you for helping out Tyler. 
And this podcast brought to you in English by veterans and not in Russian. Thank you for your service. If you guys have a veteran shout out, don't hesitate to send them in. We will get to them. Um, this podcast will be a pretty awesome podcast, I think. Sam, and I'm, I'm hoping that, how you say his name <laughs> yeah. is Ubel. Um, he's kind of done it all. Um, he's been all over the place. We won't go into detail with that now. We'll get him on and uh, see see where this podcast takes us. That's the beauty of podcasts. You never know it where is. you're going to go. Sorry for the seven minutes of jargon, but you understand. We just got to get to it. It's the buildup that makes things great. It is. Yeah, you can't just you can't just have a match out of nowhere. You got to have a storyline. You got to have a build, and it's all going to be worth it. We promise. So thank you for sticking around. Stick around for Sam. All right, we'll get right into it. Thanks, guys. On the phone with us uh, right now, we have, and I've been practicing, Sam Ubel. What's going on, Sam Ubel? Hey, guys. It's nice to be on the phone with you. Been looking forward to this. Oh, man. However long you've been looking forward to it has been way too long. <laughs> but we're glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> I've been looking forward to, to, to Steve, mostly. Yeah. I get a kick out of you. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's scary. Something, something, man. If you guys know Sam, uh, check him into uh, the mental facility. That guy's lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, let's talk about who you are, a little bit of your background. Um, if someone has no idea who, who you are, give them a reason why they should listen to the rest of this podcast. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, first of all, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the network that I've built has been mostly built around my writing. I've been doing a lot of outdoor writing uh, from a from an early start, really. Um, I don't know if you knew it or not, but I, I'm pretty heavy, just about as heavy into uh, whitetails as I am into musky fishing. So um, I started out writing a lot uh, of uh, musky articles, how-to articles and short stories and such, and uh, you know, write for Musky Hunter Magazine and uh, Outdoors First Media, and then uh, and that kind of transpired into um, you know writing about whitetail hunting and it just sort of uh, met a lot of a lot of really good people that way, and it opened a lot of doors for me. You know, I mean, it opened up uh, the opportunity to meet. Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Uh, <laughs> Great guy. You know, and, you know, we've been friends for, uh, you know, several years now. Uh, we wrote a really long piece together. Uh, he and Shay and I, you know, we co-authored uh, an article called Strictly Public, Strictly from the Ground, and that really spawned that relationship. And uh, Jared was uh, kind enough to invite me to come hunt with him and film for Whitetail Adrenaline uh, two seasons ago. And, um, uh, I was lucky enough to have two opportunities at, at Great Bucks and made one of the two opportunities count and uh, went back again this, this fall and hunted with Whitetail Adrenaline. So um, that's kind of been on my, my agenda. And then, and then uh, the last two seasons, I also uh, was fortunate enough to, to hunt with Wisconsin Whitetail Pursuit. And I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, so, uh, you know, I had, I had kind of watched, kind of kept my eye on those guys. I, I liked what they did there real do-it-yourselfers they were just average joe guys you know uh one of them was a dairy farmer and uh you know and, and he had a couple farms that he hunted and i just got a real kick out of it so i was uh certainly excited to be invited to be part of that team um, so i did two seasons with wisconsin white pursuit and then uh and most recently um i started uh with a good friend of mine brad uh he and i co-founded Chase Nation, which is a uh, 100% do-it-yourself uh, fair chase adventure hunt uh, film series, online film series, 
and um, you know we, we're we just kicked things off at the end of this last season in December, and already we've uh, we've been fortunate to develop quite a quite a following, and uh, we've got what now four four films out, and we're just about to cut the fifth. Uh, the trailer's out right now, and that's a black bear hunt in the Northwoods of Wisconsin on public land, and a Shaquamigan, uh an archery hunt. And, um, yeah, and and and, uh, and then and then most recently, um, a good friend of mine. Uh, and I co-founded uh, Huntmore. Um, it's a it's an app right now. It's only available for iPhones, but Huntmore is uh, you know interest area surrounded by hunters and hunter hunting enthusiasts, and mm. it's a, sort of a field guide and social networking platform. It's just a you know it's a unique place to to go and share photos, and if you want to look up information or share information or just share your photos and. And all that—it's kind of like, uh, kind of like an Instagram for hunters, so to speak. So yeah, and awesome. That's something that we've yeah. always—you know—if you listen to the previous episodes, we've always wanted something like that, where you're not going to get hate, you're going to get nothing but love. You know, there's not going to be any any of the haters out there, and it's an app specifically for hunters, which is great. That's yeah, something that yeah. You know lacking. what? I can't tell you how many times we get those unhappy faces on Facebook when we share a photo of, uh, you know, a bow kill or something, you know. Of dinner, yeah. A kill shot, and we're real proud of it. And, and uh, you know, the picture could be above the clouds up in the mountains posing behind a, a beautiful billy goat. And, you know, the work involved in, in going after an animal like that, shooting it with your bow on a spot and stock hunt. And, uh, and then, you know, somebody comes and gives you the upside-down face and, and says something, you know, ridiculous on the comments, and it's just kind of, you know, you shouldn't let that get to you, but, you know, you put on that, that face like, oh, it doesn't bother you, but, you know, it sticks with you a little bit. It kind of annoys you. Oh, yeah. So, right. so Hunt More, the Hunt More app is, is really, really uh, a safe place to get away from Internet trolls and guys that hide behind a keyboard. I mean, sure, you got to use your phone or, or you can use the web browser to, to use it, but, I mean, it's just a, it's more of a, you know, supportive place. People give you a thumbs up. There is no thumbs down button. And, uh, and, you know, if people don't like what you're posting, they probably wouldn't be on the app in the first place because there's no reason to visit it if you're not a hunter. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, you're not going to leave your mother's basement to go hunt these deer, so why should you have to have to say something negative? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man, there's just too much of that. You see that all the time. It really bums a guy out when you're on. Now, social media is just a mecca for bullying. I can't believe some of the stuff that I see. You know, nobody knows another man's story or a child's story or or, or a woman's or a little girl's story uh, if they don't know them personally. And right. and it's just really sad to see, you know, well, what was it like? Last week I saw this, this little guy who's probably like 13 years old posing behind a, a buck. It was maybe like a four or five pointer, just a little basket. And the smile on his face, you know, the whole story was written in his face. And then what do you got to do? You got to scroll down and read a bunch of uh, trolls on there, just giving them a hard time and saying god-awful things because it's not right. a big enough deer. It's like, man, when did this become such a game of inches? I mean, what, right. Did everybody forget about their first deer and the whole experience? And nobody knows. You right. know, the kid's, the kid's story. So it's, it's like a shame. It's like, yeah, the hate within is too common. And I think eventually that'll all – I. I with a positive attitude, I see it going away. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hate within, like, you know, the whole, like, well, don't shoot that, but, you know, shoot what makes you happy. But I think that eventually will fade out. I hope, anyway. 
I, I really agree with you. I think uh, we get more and more folks talking about it openly and, uh, you know, making a public display of that nonsense behavior. More and more folks are going to be more embarrassed or shy to be jerks online. And, uh, and, and hopefully they'll just, instead of pressing the keyboard or, or typing something mean or rude, they'll just leave it alone and go to the next picture. Right, right. Yeah, you don't have exactly. to comment on something if it's going to be uh, negative. Just either like it and move on or just don't do anything at all. But uh, that's cool, man. You're kind of making your own social media platform for people within our community um, and people that you everyone has a common interest with. So it, there's no reason. Yeah. It's all positive vibes from, from here on out for that. I mean, there's really nothing negative can come from that. Um, so only positive, maybe a huntersonly.com. <laughs> huntersonly.com. There you go, Sam. That's yeah. your next. Hey, Hunters Only, the real <laughs> game of inches. It's going to be the next one. Well, I'll, I'll create two hunting apps, and they'll be competitive against each other. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. Hunters Only, the real game of inches. That's right, boy. Um, <laughs> only big bucks here. That's too bad. <laughs> uh, well, uh what was what was it like doing work with whitetail adrenaline boy you know that was uh just you know being friends with jared you know he'd call me and we would chat and this is through like the last say uh, six years uh you know and i'm sure you whitetail adrenaline fans of course um you've watched their dvds just get better and better and they're following growing and growing and, uh, oh, yeah. Jared and I would spend a lot of time talking on the phone, uh, just about what plans were. And, uh, and I, and I just enjoyed that, you know, I mean, I really respected the guy. Um, but I could definitely see his, uh, you know, his status growing every year. And the guy is right. so humble, uh, you know, you, you'd never know, even if you spent a lot of time with him. So down that, to earth, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, you, you'd never know that he he's such a symbol in the hunting world that he is today. But he he, he is, and but yet he still maintains that humble attitude. And uh, so, needless to say, um, I just enjoy being friends with the guy. And mm. uh, never, I always wanted to hunt with him, but I would never go out of my way to you know say, "Hey, can I come and hunt with you?" So I was uh, I was extremely grateful when I got the phone call that was uh, late September 2015. And uh, Jared called me and he said, hey, man, how's your season going so far the last couple of weeks? And I said, you know what? A third day of the season, I arrowed a, a, a deer. I, I ended up shooting a piebald buck, which is you know, oh, cool. an incredibly cool experience. And uh, now I'm tagged out and I got three seasons to sit and watch my buddies hunt film for people. But, I, you know, there's no more hunting for me in this state anyways. And he goes, uh, well, have you ever hunted Minnesota? And I said, no, I'd like to, I'd like to get out of the state and, and try some new woods. And he said, he said, dude, if you're interested in coming and spending a, a week with me at the end of October, um, uh, I'll be getting back, uh, from Nebraska or Wyoming. Yeah. I can't remember which. And, uh, I'll have some time if you want to come and, uh, Scooter's going to be there. And, uh, my friend John Adams, he's going to be there and we'll go film for a week in Minnesota public lands. And I said, Hey, don't have to ask me twice, man. I'm there. That's awesome. Uh, so getting to getting to go be a part of that was uh, a blessing itself. You know, that's like a one in a million chance. I can't even tell you how many guys are, or even you know, start to think of how many guys would just about kill for the opportunity to hunt with those guys. Right. And you know what? You know, I, and then here we talked to Jared. At, we talked to Jared at the Iowa Classic this year, and uh, 
just he's been on the show a few times and he's just has a crazy following for not actually being on like yeah. a, a network and that's air quotes around network. Um, he just has the biggest following and he's like so down to earth. He fits right in with our style. And uh, he gave me a couple of his DVDs this year and I watched the, the bow hunting DVD. Um, and I seriously don't know if there's a better, I just was glued to the, the TV the entire time. Like I was watching like an action movie. Like I haven't had a hunting DVD do that to me and i don't know how long since i was a little kid. right like, for what four and a half hours man yeah <laughs> i'm telling you i i don't want to go out too far on a limb but i want to say it may be the vet the best hunting video dvd whatever ever made this newest white tail adrenaline it's that good plus we got to see the replica of the of his giant yeah we shoot that in nebraska uh kansas right oh it was K- yeah, it was kansas and yeah it was a kansas buck that thing uh we I did the show with him in West Bend, Wisconsin, the uh the um deer expo in in, in West Bend there and um it was I can't even tell you, you know, how many people wanted to touch it or some people were afraid to touch it, but you know, Jared and those things are like twelve hundred bucks for a replica. Yeah, right. you know? And uh and he's got two two replicas. You know, there's the one on the on the full body mount on top of his display there and then he's got the one the rack, the Euro uh display uh that he can you know lets people hold and uh it kind of looks like and feels like a muley when you're holding it and um i one thing i was doing that was really <laughs> dropping some jaws was i put my elbow at the base of the uh, you know the main beam there and i would wrap my whole forearm all the way to my fingertip to the end of that g2 and people were just floored i mean i'm not I'm not a little guy, but I'm not a huge guy either. But geez, man, any grown man with a forearm and fingertips like <laughs> all the way to the tips of the you know G2s—that's ridiculous. They're over 16 inches. Yeah, the, the yeah. deer's absolutely insane. Can't it's can't crazy. can't relate. Cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, those times just go for days. It's awesome. Yeah, I can't yeah, imagine. Those, go ahead. Those guys are just something else to be around. I, just being in the woods with jared so like <clears throat> you know it was one thing to to be invited to come hunt with him uh the first time and uh it was another you know and on the way there it was like well we're gonna split up the the cameraman uh i'll film with you a couple days jared told me and then and then john will film with you a couple days because i'm gonna probably hop in the woods with scooter uh scott mesca um and uh that's like i'm down however you want to do it i'm just glad to be here um, but mm-hmm. I ended up getting a hunt and film with Jared the entire week and, you know, hunting with Jared and he'd probably be embarrassed by me saying so and, and, and tell me to stop, but to be perfectly honest with you, you know, it's a really humbling experience to hunt with the guy because there's a level of intelligence in, in that man that when you're in the woods with him, you just, you almost feel like you're amongst a you know, like a modern day Fred Bear or something. Uh, right. He is. His senses are so keen, and he just his thought process. And I, I, I study the heck out of the animals, and and I try to be so specific with my approaches. And I think there's a reason behind just about everything I do. And and, uh, and but boy, I learned a lot just spending some time in the woods with him. It was an awesome experience. I can't imagine. I was thinking about it watching that DVD, and I'm like, this guy is probably killed one of the 
the biggest deer of all time with with traditional equipment is, is it a longbow he's hunting with yeah that is a straight up longbow man that's not a recurve or anything else it's a longbow stick and string custom made for him he's got uh three or four of them at home you know like it's funny like in his bedroom he's got like longbows laid up against the wall uh it almost i almost felt silly sitting next to him or standing next to him in the backyard there when i first got there i said well if we're going out for the afternoon uh i'm gonna have to throw a few arrows at the target and just make sure everything's good from travel and you know i'm sitting there with a uh, the compound and uh he's just slinging arrows with uh with the longbow and it just blew me away it was cool like I was sitting there, like with a, like with a longbow. That's got to be one of the biggest typicals ever killed with a longbow. I well, mean, in recorded history. Well, in but in there though, you no, know what I mean? Yeah, like it's got to be. Uh, it has to, and I don't know the exact figure to be honest with you, but I would, I would, and I would go out on a whim and challenge anybody to say that has to be at least one of the top five typical whitetails ever killed with a longbow, and that's it is number. It is number one killed with a longbow on film, and it is number two ever killed on film as a typical. Number one um, was by Pat Reeves. Uh, he shot, I think it was a 202-inch typical with a, with a compound on film. It's insane. So, it's some studly shit yeah. right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, yep. Sam, we, we, we can sit here and talk about another man. Um, but we want to talk about you, great transition. <laughs> you, you yourself, I, Jared's great, absolutely fantastic. But I want to talk about Sam, and I want to talk about the eight point buck that you shot. The one uh, with whitetail adrenaline. Yeah, uh, it was in October. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, the the river, the canoe buck you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Man, oh. I, yeah. Well, if you watched that DVD, you saw me miss a uh, really cool-looking deer. He wasn't an old deer. We actually thought he might have been, looking back at the replay, we, he might have been only a two-and-a-half-year-old, maybe a three-year-old. But I shot at him. Uh, I'll tell you something, uh, and, and I'm sure that there's a lot of guys that, you know, would, you know, cross their arms and roll their eyes when they hear it, but there's a whole heck of a lot more hunters out there that can totally un- understand and relate, and that is, when you are hunting on the ground especially, okay, but when you're on public land and you put in the kind of days that we were doing, I mean, we were up before dawn every day and in the woods after a long drive uh, from Wisconsin over to Minnesota, uh, and you're hiking up and down these hills, uh, you know, even a small buck looks big to you. But this buck, he just, he was really, he confused me. I thought he was I mean, when you watch him, you can tell right away he's a 14-pointer. He's got split brows. He's got split G2s. He's got an inside point on the left side. The thing is just gnarly. Uh, and I would have been, you know, tickled to death with him. But, um, you know, when you're when you're putting that kind of work in, uh, to me it's a success, even if it's not a giant. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have scored much, but for character it would have been a huge success. And, and I would have been super proud if I would have connected on that deer despite his age. Um, but I missed him. I shot underneath him and I misjudged the yardage. He was, I thought he was at 30 yards and I'm on the ground and it's easy to misjudge yardage when you're on the ground like that. And he was actually at 40. Um, so I, I, I aimed low and, uh, he was making a rub on a tree and 
he didn't really duck. I just straight up went right under his own pit. I missed him by, you know, an eighth of an inch. I mean, that thing must have shaved hair, but I didn't get any 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 penetration. So long story short, you know, we find this arrow, and this is on day four. We just spent, my God, like, I don't know, too many hours, probably three three hours at least, going about four miles upstream of this river. We went up against the current because we found one public access to get onto the onto the river, and we knew there was four different public pieces that abutted this river, and that was the last place we expected anybody to enter that property, those properties from. You know, most guys will park at the the parking lot and they'll, you know, walk in the easy route and they'll, typically they'll hunt the hardwoods. But in this kind of terrain, this is real hilly country. I mean, it's hill country to the nth degree. And uh, when you flatten that out, you know, even 40 acres or 40 acres flattened out turns into, you know, 80 acres uh, because of these steep ridges. So right. for a guy to go all the way back from the parking lot, which is usually there's like one parking spot at these places, and uh, and they walk all the way back to the river, I mean, I just didn't see anybody doing that. Plus in Minnesota, most of the guys, you only get one buck tag, and it's bow or gun. you got to make your decision. Mm. So, uh, we, you know, competition isn't too terrible out there during the archery season. But public access from the backside is always the best way. That's where you find those hidden pockets. So it was, we were willing to go against the grain and go against that current to get up there. I was so tired out by the time we, you know, after four days of doing stuff like this is the first day we put the boat in the water, but we had been hiking for four days and not really seeing much for deer. And when I missed that one, I was just beat up like super beat up inside. Like, man, you know, here I am on whitetail adrenaline. You've got a camera rolling behind you. You know how many guys, you know, buy this DVD and watch this, and I'm just going to be the laughing stock my first time, and I'm not going to be taken seriously. And it's just it <laughs> it, it hurts a little bit, you know. Right. Um, but uh, Jared said, "Well, what do you want to do after I missed that gear?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. There's like 25 minutes of daylight left of, of shooting time left. You you want to keep hunting, or I mean, I, we're sitting here talking out loud. Why don't we just walk back to the boat and get on with it?" But he said, well, let's just go down this ridge a little ways. I kind of want to explore this piece a little bit more. We'd never been in there. We was cold. We, we never walked into this piece at all. Uh-huh. So we, I said, well, let's do it. You know, what? this is one of a lifetime chances. I'm going to be hunting with you doing this. So here I go. And so we set off after, uh, after another one. And we went probably hmm, 200 yards down this, this ridge bottom here. And then we, we headed up and, uh, you know, with the thermals starting to drop in the evening, uh, I was afraid of getting too high up on that ridge because I thought anything below us might smell us, you know, even if we spotted something. Right. Um, so we decided to take a, you know, kind of go about halfway up. Maybe it was maybe more like two-thirds of the way up, and we just started, uh, you know, sneaking along that ridge. And we get to this point, and these fingers is typically on these fingers of these ridges where these deer will bed. They can see in a couple different directions. They can smell from different directions, and they can disappear on either side of the ridge in a heartbeat. And um, there was these cedars, these low-hanging cedars, and I told, I stopped my tracks, and I started turning around. As you'll see in the film, I started saying on, the, on camera, I said, man, if I was a big buck, this is exactly where I would be bedded. And right as I was finishing that sentence, Jared grabs my shirt and goes, there's a big buck just below us. And he pulls me backwards behind this tree. 
And uh, that's when the heart started beating again. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe we stumbled on another one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, he started trying to call me off of that deer um, because uh, by the time he was in us, like, you know, he he was probably 40 yards below us behind his deadfall. And, the, the, you know, for Jared, he was thinking the only chance you're going to have is right when he clears that deadfall, there's an opening there. Uh-huh. And I was drawn back for probably a minute and a half waiting and waiting. Finally, he got into that opening, but he was at, moving at such a good clip, I elected to pass and, and wait for another opening. Well, Jared's like, let down, let down. You can hear him whispering it in that film. I mean, he says it like 10 times, but I didn't hear him. I mean, I was totally tuned in to what I was doing, and I found a hole the size of a basketball who, at 50 yards through hardwoods and I don't mean to brag, but I I was pretty happy with that shot because that, looking back on it, I may not have uh, taken it today, but I did that day, and I I was able to heart shoot that buck, and he only ran 50 yards down the ridge and died. Damn. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to make that opportunity. If like you find a pocket, you got to put that arrow through that pocket, man, and that's why you know that's why you practice. That's awesome. Yeah, we practice all the time down here, especially where I live in southeast Wisconsin. It's super thick, so you you really. You've re- like in my backyard. I'll we, I've got some tag alders and and dogwood, and I'll actually put my target behind those and and try to sneak arrows. And I lose a few in my yard, but you know you end up finding them the next you know later on that year or, or the next year or whatever in spring. But yeah, you got to practice for that kind of stuff because it's hunting, and this isn't the style of hunting. When you're on the ground, it's a different world, man. I mean, I'm mostly a, a tree stand hunter. When you're on the ground, it's a different world. You gotta be yeah. ready for it. The ground ground yeah. hunting has always kind of intrigued me. Like I've always wanted to kill like a, a big buck on the ground and in a spot in stock or whatever it may be. I have a recurve now and I've uh I've been shooting it the last couple of days. I, I, I probably should get more serious about it because I think it'd be awesome to kill like a hundred and like Pope and Young, one twenty five and up oh, with yeah. a recurve would just be incredible to me. Uh so maybe that'll happen. I gotta see. I wanna buy another one. My I'm shooting a forty two pound uh, recurve and I want to get like a 50 ish pound and that would be, you know, work my way up to get comfortable with that. But yeah, ground hunting is just is so badass. Awesome. It's some studly shit. It is. It, it adds a level of complexity, but you know what you see on the, in the DVD, you see the action moments, but you don't see all the time. I and mean, sometimes, you know, he'll throw in there, he'll edit some cuts in there with us, uh, you know, chilling on the ridge, eating candy bars or, or, you know, just, just not finding anything, not stumbling anything, move on to the next piece, just uh, running and gunning. But, uh, I mean, the hours, I mean, we don't stop. It's right from right when you get out of that car, you're on foot. And, and uh, we wouldn't get back to the house until, like, 7.30 or 8 o'clock every night. Enough time to throw back a few bush lights and throw something on the grill and do it all again the next day. What are you throwing back? That's awesome. Bush lights, man. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm not bush lattes. Oh, bush lattes. All right. Yeah. That must ah, be the... yo, well, that's the fancy way of. That's when you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when you serve them up, you know, in a martini glass, that's that's when we're that's when we're fine dining. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I didn't pick up that southeastern Wisconsin accent when you were talking about bush lattes. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you just put your pinky out and it becomes a bush latte real quick. Right. Sam, one thing I want to do for our listeners, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot here. I want you to rattle off top three tips for hunting public ground. If someone is like, hey, I'm out, I've lost my private ground or I have no ground to hunt, 
I'm going to hit some public. What are the, the top three tips you'd give to the to our listeners? The first one that I would say right off the bat is, and I'll steal this one from Mr. Infault. Dan Infault is is the beast when it comes to hunting public land, and uh, and that is make sure that you are hunting uh, anywhere that you wouldn't imagine somebody else to hunt and it sounds so simple right but when you look at public land on aerial you can usually see people's trails like their walking trails from the car Mm -hmm. and just about any piece of hardwood that's semi-easy to access likely somebody's already hunting there you've got to pick the spot on the map that looks like something that a guy sitting next to you who loves hunting just as much as you do would never think to go even scout because they just doesn't look right and those are usually the spots where those public land deer or hide out because, of course, that's where nobody else is hunting. Um, the number two thing is something that, uh, you know, is to me, it's just second nature. It's what I've been doing for my whole life that I've been hunting is I started out hunting public land. And that is, you know, you've got to be willing to put in work using a boat to access the backsides of properties when you find a piece of public how many guys are willing to put in a boat and, you know, go down the river? How many guys even have time for that? After a day of work, most guys just need to get in the woods. Mm-hmm. You want to find the backside of properties because those are those hidden pockets. They're not hidden, but those are those pockets of public that just don't get pressured. Another way to do it is if you knock on people's doors who have, like, you know, quarter acre or half acre, maybe an acre of land, they just have a yard, and their house may be a butt public on the backside. And most guys are, you know, pulling into the public parking lots rather than, you know, spending some time in the off-season knocking on doors saying, hey, you know, for a case of beer or something, you mind if I park here two or three times and just walk across your yard to get into that public land back there? You'd be surprised how many people are are friendly enough to say yes. I mean, of course, there's people that that also hunt it, so that to them is like their little sanctuary. So, they'll, you know, you'll hear no's a lot, too, but sometimes you'll hear a yes. And in the in the last piece is you know and I and I I exercise this on public and uh, and private land but you got to remember the closer you are to a city the more competition you have mm-hmm. uh, for for population densities uh, you know in the cities they're so heavy uh, those those public pieces are going to get pounded so that's when you got to get really creative and uh, and the further you get away from public land or from from the cities the better the public gets. It almost becomes like it's just as good as guys look at private. I mean, most guys out in the, like, especially in the farmland, at least in, you know, places I've visited, they already have the the population of a town might be 1,200 people. And most of those guys probably live on land or have friends that have land, you know, that farm the land or whatever. So they don't need to hunt the public necessarily. So the public in in public land on those, uh, in those kind of areas, further away from the cities, if you've got the time to spare and, you know, the, the average working, you know, person or the, the family man or, or woman just might not have the time to get to those pieces, but sometimes it's not such a bad idea to get in your car, you know, a couple hours earlier than you would have liked to have woken up and make the drive to get to those further away pieces. Right. Those great tips <clears throat> were probably the best tips that have ever been given out on this podcast. At least in recent memory. My memory ain't too good. But, uh, number two you touched on, man, that is super huge. Look at when you when you can pull up an app 
that has the parcels, and you can see who's button up to some um, public land. Man, that's such a huge deal to just be like, hey, you know, let me walk in your backyard just so I can access this point. That's that. that Worst I can say is no. That's game changer right there. Hashtag heard it on the working class bow hunter podcast. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> man. Nailed it. <laughs> that's a little yeah. long for hashtag, but that's a great tip. No, that is a uh, you know that's a huge one for sure. I mean that and that's what it, anytime you look at well if you're going to go hunt public land, there's really no excuse anymore not to use your your phone or or the internet to to take a quick glimpse from the sky and see what that land looks like. I mean, in in typically you can see from just about any map online available now you can see where those public parking spots are, and uh, you know you. Just think about how most guys are going to do it, and do it the opposite way. And those those backsides of those public pieces, those are those gems, man. That that is the spot to be. Um, you know, one other thing, a, a good tip is don't always believe the signs that you see because you find if you travel and hunt public land enough, you, can't, you know it's it is it it is realistic that. Uh, you know, there are times where signs get moved. Uh, yep. And uh and there's also some 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 kind of sneaky ways to to uh okay, for one example, hunting in Minnesota for the last two years we revisited so Jared and I hit a spot and when we first went there, this is two years ago now when I shot that the canoe buck, um, we pulled up to this piece and, and it, there's no trespassing signs everywhere everywhere but i'm thinking well you know where did you think we were going to walk in and start looking you know dialing down with the the map and you can actually see the parcel line that there's an easement a walk-in easement that's only about you know 10 yards wide between two private pieces that goes maybe 200 yards and you know you got if you're if you're questioning because here's the deal here's why it was confusing to me it's only 10 yards wide, right? And there's no trespassing signs on both sides of the entrance from the road. Walking up to that, uh, naturally, you'd be like, well, we must have gone to the wrong place because yeah. you wouldn't think, you know, that that's an easement. But, you know, so really do your research and look at the maps because, uh, you know, of course, private landowners, they're not doing anything wrong by putting those signs there, but it is confusing. And sometimes uh, you, if you're really in doubt, and you have cell phone reception, you know, make a phone call to the DNR and ask them. Yeah, that's a, you know. And you could understand it's either one or two things. Either the landowner really got tired of people thinking that this is just public, or it's someone who's like, man, I bet if I put no trespassing signs up here, even though it's an easement right here, they're going to think it's no good. Either yeah, you're right. Two, there but... are two, there are two ways to look at it. They're either protecting something, which is you know makes you smile a little bit, or or you're right, or or they've been burned <laughs> and they don't want to get burned again. <laughs> I, I remember in uh oh what was it the DVD? I'm trying to think. If it was 2014 or 2015. Uh, there I remember there was an issue with the sign where it's the sign was supposed to be facing this way, but now it's facing this way. Or well, the, they had like moved they, the T-post. Yeah, or they, that's what it was. That's what it was. They moved the T-post. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that's in just about every episode, you know. <laughs> sure. I, but I remember this one specific thing that just, 
it was one of those deals that you kind of have faith in your fellow hunter, but at the same time, you're like, come on, guys. Yeah. It, it's crazy. I, I've never had to hunt public. Um, well, in Illinois, where we're at, there's really not a lot of public that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And Sam, I don't know. Do you venture into Illinois at all to hunt any public, or is it just kind of like, is it known as being there's not much there to get after? You know, I'm honest with you, and I say I have not hunted Illinois. I've had a couple opportunities. Um, I I've got a another little one on the way here with my wife, so I don't know how much hunting I'm going to get in this next season. I'll, I mean, I'll get plenty in, but. Uh, as far as going away on, on a ton of trips, I really got to be picky and choosy where I go. Um, so it might be a couple of years yet before I get to Illinois and I'm able to answer that question. Well, if you do, I mean, you said you're southeast Wisconsin. We're right on the Mississippi, uh, northwest Illinois. Give us a holler if you're in the area. We'll, uh, there's nothing in our area that I'm aware of. If you find something, you got to let me know because yeah, exactly. I don't know about <laughs> it. But uh, we'll have to figure something out and... Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I really don't know much about it. I will say that the um, good friend of mine. I ended up uh, actually shot a great buck with him this year uh, in Wisconsin. He he's a he's a dairy farmer and uh, he owns you know quite a few farms. Uh, and he's got a farm in Missouri and he's got one in Illinois too. And he's got a handful of them here in Wisconsin. But the one in Illinois, you know, it's it's more open. It's more egg field with some wood lines, but his neighbors look like they have some nice pieces, but the reason I bring this up is because, you know, a walk, it's just a short walk away from his piece to public and it goes all along the, the Mississippi river. And it is, uh, it's just South of Pike County. I can't remember the name of the County, but it's the one right underneath Pike County. Okay. And it is a large piece of public. And that is what we would be hunting if I go down there. So I'll definitely have some stories to share with you once I yeah. make that trip. Awesome. Well, it's probably the drive you'd probably take. You'd come through our area oh, most sure. likely, so you have to give us a holler and stop in the studio, and we'll do another podcast. <laughs> oh man, I'd love to. And, and if I'm with him, boy, you'd uh, you'd get a blast out of him. He he is hilarious to, just to be around or talk on the phone with. In fact, I talked to him, uh, you know, just earlier today, and the guy just has me rolling every time I talk to him. He's a funny guy. Oh, a, a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. How original. Yeah. I heard that one before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dairy farmer from Wisconsin, man. And he, he boy, he is, he's got a passion for farming. He's, he's a young guy. You know, he's I think he's 33, he's the same age as me, 32. His name is Matt Hosel. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a dynamite hunter, too. I'm telling you what. Well, we should awesome. do that. Yeah. Do a big potty, podcast in studio here. Um, Let's. Uh, I want to transition back to Chase Nation. I want you to talk a little bit about that, yeah. Sam. We were yeah, the same okay. Thing. I'd love to talk about Chase Nation. That is uh, that means a great deal to me right now. It's uh, it's new. I mean, you know, it, we're right now. We're really trying to build a following. Um, it's completely free to watch our films. We put hours and hours into the editing. It's just myself and. Uh, my good friend Brad, who helped co-found it, uh, Brad Rowinski, he and I do all of the uh, editing, um, but we've got a pretty good team of guys that uh, are all over the state of Wisconsin. We've got a guy down in Georgia. We've got a guy, you know, in Appalachia. Uh, it's just Appalachia. a really good crew of dudes. Yeah, man. He, he's got his southern drawl and everything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you're going to be seeing him show up in uh, a, a few weeks here. As soon as I get the footage, he's, he just 
did a uh, uh, foothills adventure. Is a long trek back into the foothills of uh, southern Appalachia. He gets into a trout stream, and he's, uh, uh, you know, it's everything about the grace of a fly to bad weather, and you know, making a fire on the side of the river and cooking what you catch and all that. But, so Chase Nation is everything from hunting to fishing to, you know, if uh, if we're willing to put in the work, we carry a camera when we're shed hunting and, you know, try to put something together that way or morel hunting. Right now, uh, we've got four films that you can, if you check us out online, it's, uh, it's www.chasenation.co, not .com, but .co. Um, and if you go on there and you go to our videos, you can you can watch them or you can check out our, our YouTube channel. And we also stream them right onto our our Facebook uh, page as well. Awesome. But um, man, we so the first one we did, uh, Brad he he went to Montana and uh, he he was hunting public land out there with uh, uh, Andy and Andrew Kissel, uh, and Andy and Andrew Junior, or we call him AJ. Kissel, and they went to uh, to hunt the foothills there, and um, public land, a little bit of private, but mostly public. Uh, they shoot a coyote, they shoot a pronghorn, and then they shoot this just insane uh, buck, this flyer buck that is just awesome. Um, so that's a really cool. And then he also shoots a doe with his uh, his recurve. Um, a couple, couple, yeah. And, and the whole point of Chase Nation, though, is. So everything we represent is is 100% fair chase. Uh, it's public and private. Okay, it's not just public. It's a little bit of both. But it is never inside fences. There is no outfitters. It's uh, it's just straight up do it yourself. Uh, get out there and hunt and 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 build a story around it. Um, I guess you know not to say not to cut anybody down on TV or whatever, but there comes a point where. You know, I start to yawn if I see too many guys just, they don't turn the camera on until they're in the tree stand, and then they do a quick interview with the weather, what they see, you know, last week, and then here they are, and then there's 30 deer in the field and they kill one. Right. That's, you know, okay to watch, I guess, but I really get a kick out of the adventure. and I want to know not only what did it take to get there, then show me the hunt, and the good and the bad. The build-up. you got to have the build-up. The, the, yeah. the part that people, I, a lot of guys, you know, filming seem to forget is what did it take to get out of there? Because that is one of the most important pieces. I mean, when you are straight up tired out, you put in a heck of a lot of work, and then you reach success, you know, or failure, and then you got to get back home. What did you go through? And, and that's what we're really trying to feature. Um, so, like, the the... The most recent, I think, is, is really cool. It's not a whitetail hunt, but it's a billy goat hunt with AJ Kissel. He goes to uh, he goes to Alaska and he hunts public land up there, do it yourself, no hunt, spot and stalk with his dad. And they killed two billy goats above the clouds. And I'll tell you what, man, when you see this on film, it is so cool. I mean, it is so cool. And these guys are just straight up living it up, man. And and it's rough. <laughs> Mark. <It's>, uh, <laughs> I don't want to cut you off, but Mark has got a smile. He's grinning from ear to ear. What? Yeah. Why? What, I like what's the, a? I like the billy goat hunting. I like the mountains. That's cool. Great, yeah, great scenery. Yeah, the scenery, boy. That just you, you know, it could almost be a complete flop of a hunt. You still enjoy it just looking at that scenery. Um, 
What else? We got uh, the second one we did was uh, an adventure hunt that I was on two years ago, gun hunt. It was right after I got back from uh, hunting with Whitetail Adrenaline the first time. Um, and we went down a river. So two, two river hunts for me, two boat hunts. I, I killed that one using the canoe with Jared. And then uh, a few weeks later in Wisconsin, I ended up taking a, a boat down a river during the uh, extreme uh, snowstorm um, and killed a webbed out, just a masked out, awesome buck uh, in some of the most crazy conditions I've ever hunted in. And and uh, I'll tell you, you know, it was... We, so we wore waders to get in, um, and of course we sweat because we had to pack in our tree stands. And then you know we get to the tree and it's snowing sideways and it's wet. And you got to get up this tree, get your stuff set up, and get the camera gear all set up. Then climb down and change out of your waders and throw on the boots that you carried in over your shoulders. And your socks are already wet, so you take them off and you pull out the fresh ones from your bag and you put them on so you know you can last a few hours out there. And, that's terrible. That's like torture. Uh, and then once we killed that deer, then it was like, okay, now how do we get this thing out of here? And so you watch that film. I'll even say on film, I say, boy, if we find that deer, I say we go back to the boat, tip it over, and just take cover underneath it because this is uh, at the point where it was just so uncomfortable. I went through like four pairs of gloves that day. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was wringing them out. You know, I was, I was literally wringing the gloves out. And, and that's the stuff that you don't see enough of. Uh, right. I, I feel like when you're watching hunting shows, you just don't see enough of that grit, and and that is exactly what we live for. People wonder why the hell would you enjoy that? It looks so uncomfortable, and it's like, man, if you don't understand why why I love to do this, then you just don't understand it at all. And there's no right. sense in trying to explain it to you. Right. That's I. So. I like seeing. You got to see a little suffering for the success to really like to prove that it means something deep because. I don't know. There's like a certain category of people, like like of hunters I know. And if I say like, oh yeah, this dude's studly. Like I know this dude mm-hmm. has suffered for his success. So I like seeing that stuff on film and like the whole process. Like if you tipped your boat over and fell in the water, I want to see it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know it's, it's all about that struggle. Hashtag brothers of the struggle. What are you don't, don't, hashtags don't, do, out don't do that hashtag brothers of the struggle. That means uh, something else. Uh. Lock up uh, raw. But no. Uh, it's uh, I think people enjoy seeing the suffering and the uh, it's good the, suffering. The yeah, it's like the suffering and the finish. It's the buildup. The suffering is the buildup. Why would you sit out there and get your gloves wet? Why would you go through all this stuff? Because the chance of a lifetime in that lifetime goal of getting a billy goat, a uh, um, Yukon moose. Whatever it is, whatever it yeah. is, how how the reason why we let, hunt is. Let, I think a good way to say it is uh, if if there isn't a story to be told, then it's just not worth remembering. Yeah, exactly. And the best way to build a story is to put everything into it and get out there and go against the grain. I mean, a lot of us that have been doing this for a long time, I'm sure at one point or another, have walked out into just a you know, and sat over a food plot or something and shot a deer, and there's nothing to take away from that at all. But there is a significant difference between, you know, sitting a field edge that you were able to access just, you know, easily, which a lot of us have to do sometimes on weekdays especially, depending on what our lifestyle is like. But 
when you when you even if it's one trip a year, when you really get into the root of hunting and you just go against the grain and, and you test yourself against Mother Nature, I mean that is what stories are made of and you'll remember that longer than anything else. Mm-hmm. That's 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 part of why I write is like I just I have such an extreme passion, you know, for what I do and, and for being outdoors. I have to share it with somebody. I have to. And if, and if somebody doesn't want to read it, that's fine, but I have to write it down because if somebody's interested in reading it, it's there. And I just need to, I just need to get it off my chest because it's just, you know, it's, it's such an amazing experience. It means everything. Well, I think you could use your words to express yourself a lot more in depth than you can video sometimes too, mm-hmm. especially with your time that you're limited to be on the video compared to an article that you can really go into depth and detail and really get your you feelings, know what, feelings across. One, one thought that we had when we, when we started developing Hunt More, that app, the one thing we thought about was, okay, well, not everybody's great with words. Not everybody can tell a story, but everybody has a story. And, you know, smartphones these days, and it sounds so weird when, you know, you're talking passionate about something, and then we jump to your cell phones, I understand, but, <laughs> but listen to the point. It's, it's that, you know, God, isn't it amazing how many people that you know that you had no idea were as creative with photography, you find out suddenly have a, a unique passion for taking really cool photos that they shoot with their iPhones or something, you know? That, some people... They can't tell the story, but they can do it through photos or through videos, and and that's why we built that app. So, you know, here's a place you can tell your story without having to, you know, include the words if you don't want. Just share it with us. Mm-hmm. But I, I can I can sometimes look at a photo, uh, you know, and and be able to read the story or make up my own story to it. But I, you know, it it's a powerful thing. And when you were talking about <laughs> earlier, you said something about. Um, you know, the struggle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Gerald showed or not, but this last season, some of the white-tailed adrenaline, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to, to say out loud, I guess, looking back on it. But at the time, it was like, holy crap, did that just happen? But we <laughs> we went down. So Jared was filming uh, with John in Wisconsin, on the Wisconsin side of the Mississippi, and I was on the Minnesota side with my good friend Steve Jeffrey, who was filming for me. And we uh, took the boat with us that morning, um, but we we ended up stopping at a different piece first. And uh, we walked in. We spent you know two hours bumming around before we realized all the sign was cold. So we backed out and said, "Let's let's go down and check out this river." We found uh, a, a nice piece that was down this river. We wanted to go check, and um, we found a way to get there using the current to our advantage because that was the one thing that you know. Jared and I messed up the year prior, uh, you know, burned ourselves out going against the stream to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. So we get down this river. No problem. No problem. The river's high. Mind you, it's like two feet high because the last week it's been raining on and off. Uh, and then in your hunting hill country and you have those rivers, all that runoff from those ridges, man, it just fills those, those streams up something fierce. So we get down this river in no time, and we're hunting, and we hunt hard, and we're burned out. We get back to the boat. It's after dark. It's, it's It started raining. all Like, when we got there, it started raining to the point we had to put that camera in a, in a garbage bag and conceal it a lot of the time, which when you're hunting and filming, you know, and you only have a week to get something going, 
really bums you out because if something happens in that time, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? You know? Right. So long story short, we, it's been raining more and more and we get back to the boat and the river has risen enough to, at this point, now there's trees rolling down the current. You can hear them. You, sometimes you can see them in the moonlight, but you can hear them, the branches hitting the gravel bottom as they're rolling with the current. And it's just, it kind of alarms you. Uh, that's when a little bit of, you know, stress started to build up. How are we going to, how are we going to get back upstream? Because <laughs> un, unlike the year prior, when we took a canoe, you can paddle against the current, right? You could put everything into it and you, you, you'll make it. But we took a rowboat <laughs> and, and when you try rowing against strong current like that, it is just, uh, you're not moving. It took 45 minutes. We made 200 yards and that was rowing hard. And at that point I was already so tired by the time we got to the boat. Uh, you know, I didn't have much left in me and then trying to row against that current was that took everything out of me. So we got out of the boat and we tried walking it, you know, but the, it was so high that the water was above our knees. So every step you took was like trudging through, through mud. And we were two and a half miles from the launch, and there was nobody along that river. It was completely wild. Hey, you should just so, kept, kept on floating, float right down to Louisiana, make it in time for Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, we, we were in dire straits for sure, and I couldn't get a, a cell on my phone. And I'm like, well, boy, what do we do now? Um, that's the first time I've ever felt panic start to set in on me in my whole life that I can remember anyways. And, uh, I tried to conceal it because, you know, we're running camera and, and we're out there and I don't want, uh, if I start to show, you know, panic, the guy I'm with is going to be really panicked. You know, he's only been in a boat like, uh, you know, uh, down a river like this, you know, a handful of times. And, uh, it was a little nerve wracking to say the least. And so we started talking about options. Well, we can try walking back, but this isn't an ordinary river and this isn't an ordinary landscape. You try walking through bluff country in the dark, you know, by the time you get back to that car, you're going to be wrecked if you make it back. Without any cell reception, you couldn't look much at the maps because, and I knew that going into it. So I took, I took screenshots of the land we were hunting because I wanted to be able to look and reference where I was at all times. But I, I didn't take screenshots between the public and the boat launch. No. Uh, so finding my no. way was going to be tough. And, and, and then the next piece was, do we just flip this boat over? Cause it started raining and it's like, do we just tip it over and try camping? Well, we could, but we only have a half bottle of water left in like two candy bars. So it's going to be a rough night. And then, uh, our saving grace was when my buddy Steve is filming with me. He pulled out his phone and miraculously he caught a bar of reception and Jared didn't have his phone number and Jared's hard enough to get a hold of. And I didn't think he was going to answer Steve's phone because he didn't know the number, but I'm glad he did because I had to, <laughs> you know, put my tail between my legs and say, Hey buddy, do you mind driving from Wisconsin all the way here? Like two hours to pick us up. If we take this boat downstream, I know that there's another takeout like four miles away. And he said he would do it. So, <laughs> So I was really grateful. He kind of saved the day. And, <laughs> he must yeah. have got Jared at the right time, man. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I'm telling you, it was it was. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we get to shore. The cameras are in the face, and it's like, you know, hey. So 
how's it going? And it's like, <laughs> I was just full of shame. Like, man, <laughs> I, dude, I am all about adventure, but I, may, I messed up big time. I underestimated that river. And that's my own fault. So, but that what a good but, story, though, right? That, that yeah. it makes a good, great story and probably a great seven minutes of uh, a film. I just I love when our guests tell a story, and all I can picture, like I don't even see things in the studio. I completely zone out, and I was like yeah. picturing that whole scenario, like what the fuck yeah. do we do exactly. now? Yeah. I legitimately, <laughs> I was listening to that story, and I was looking at Kurt, and I'm like, if I was in that situation, Kurt would have been eaten. Full like clean to the bone. Yeah, by right. Then. I would have. You'd have been done. Son. Yeah, right. You really think so? I, dude, I thought I would have pushed like, Steve down that river, watched him float away. Oh, dude, I would have thought about. I would have been like, man, I bet I could put a little sand on there and it act like salt and season them up real nice. <laughs> yeah, water gets scary. We I've hunted Ooh. some, done some duck hunts and some nasty weather on the river here in Mississippi River. And when your life gets in danger and things get really scary when you're in the water. It's a whole different way of hunting, mm-hmm. but, but you're right. I don't forget those hunts. I still remember every time I got stuck up to my guts and mud or something. <laughs> oh, sweet thought Poseidon. I was going to die yeah. and never get out. All two know? foot of water, right, Mark? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, I don't know, man. There's something to be said about that moment when two grown men can look at each other and see in each other's eyes worry. I mean, yeah, you know, oh shit feeling. Yeah, that's every time. Yeah, that oh shit, like we screwed up big time, man. And this isn't, this is not good. It's dipping below, you know, it's in the low 30s now, and it's raining, and this is just, this isn't. And we've been sweating, so we don't have anything dry left, and it's hypothermia is is a real, real, real threat at that point. Yeah, yeah. Kurt, uh, Kurt gets that feeling. What man? Bush lattes never tasted better than that night. I'll tell you. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Dude, Kurt, Kurt gets that feeling every time I start talking. We lock eyes. He goes, "Oh my god, we're in terror. We're in danger." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. That, that is true. But yeah, I can imagine Bush lattes were tasting mighty mm-hmm. fine. I would even settle for mm-hmm. Milwaukee's best at that point. Oh yeah, any Wisconsin <laughs> beer, man, I would have settled for. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. Yeah, uh, I gotta. Um, I got a landowner nearby here. I used to lease a piece up until uh, about two weeks ago, a piece that I was leasing nearby sold. So um, I won't be able to revisit that piece anymore, but the neighbor was awfully friendly. and would Sometimes he'd let me uh, drive down his field to get deer out of the marsh. Uh, the property I leased next door was a swamp. And uh, to say thank you, I remember the first time I met him, I said, you know, I'd like to buy you some beer and uh, drink one or two with you. Mind you, he's in his mid-70s. And, uh, and he's, he's been working on the farm his whole life, you know, and he's a, he's a rough dude. And he looks at me and he says, I said, what kind do you like? And he goes, the cheap kind. And, and, and I said, what, what is that? Like a keystone or what, what's the cheap kind? He goes, well, I like the Milwaukee's best. (laughs) I bet that boy taught you how to drink that night. (laughs) Yeah. So that's awesome. I felt bad about offering that beer, didn't you? <laughs> Sam, one thing we do on the podcast, I don't know if you've heard it, we do a rapid fire question segment. And if you don't mind, I'd like to throw a pile of these at you and see what kind of answers we can get out of you. Okay, just like one of those things you say the first thing that comes to your mind, like I might I might answer and it's totally off the wall and has nothing to do with the question, but that's what came to my mind. It's really close and probably we should probably do something like yeah, that. Yeah, like no, I think it's a, it's a good idea. Like when I say the color blue, what do you think of? We need to do that. Okay, yeah, it's a, write right that there. down. Like, you, see. You're like you're like, hey man, what's your favorite state to hunt? And I'm like apples. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. This is a kind of like we'll ask you a question and it's like one answer type of uh, answers, but we always bend the rules. Like if you need to elaborate, go into it, elaborate your answer, explain what you mean. Um, so I'll just hit we, hit you with the first one right now. Well, I'll let Steve do it because he always cuts me off. And he this isn't even on our list of questions, but Steve does it every time. So go ahead, Steve. I could have made so many pro wrestling references earlier. Hashtag DIY, <laughs> great champ. Anyway, uh, favorite pro wrestler? Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I guess I'd, I'd probably... I'd probably say uh, love them all. Guy, I, I, you know what? I think I know who he is. I just can't. You're gonna have to help me out with his name. But he and Hulk Hogan. He was part of Hulk Hogan's uh, era. He was um, almost as big, and he was just always cracked out. And he'd always go, "Yeah, like uh, oh I'm yeah. Go kid, yeah, Macho Man yeah. Randy Savage." Yeah. Yes, Randy Savage, man. That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Mach King Randy Savage. That was a great era. Yeah, it was it was Coke, but no, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Coke, there you go, dude. I don't know, man. He was yeah, his personality just every time I see a snippet of that, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, it was it was Coke, not crack. Yeah, just, just wanted to clarify that, guy, for our listeners. Uh, favorite movie. Favorite movie. Um you know what? I, I think it goes back to uh, to I don't know, man. I got so many movies that I like. I, some of the ones that stand out in my head the most are are you know today I probably wouldn't agree with myself anymore, but I'll say them anyways just because it was the first thing I thought of it. And that is uh, uh, a tie between Dances with Wolves and Last of Mohicans. And uh, you know, it, I watched uh, one with my dad, and I watched one with my grandpa, and and I just remember the experience. And, uh, and and that's pretty much why I think I remember him so much. But I don't know if I like him as much today. Valid response. That was probably the best most wow. meaningful I almost said Dances with Wolves when you asked me that the other week. I've never watched Man. it. Oh, yeah. We awesome. were expecting good fellas, yeah. but, uh, yeah, continue. Last song <laughs> you played. The last song? Yep. Uh, last song I, I, I played was... Uh, I don't even know the name of the song, but it was by Jamie Johnson. Oh, yeah, nice. Assuming it's good anyway. Yeah. We like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. fa- favorite band? My favorite band. Oh. Honestly, um, boy, <laughs> that's Cement? a good question. <laughs> it's so hard to think of a, of a favorite, but I, I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of country, like older country. Um, and uh, it's hard for me to put a finger on it. I guess the first per- first thing I thought of when you said that was David Allen Coe, but nice. I don't know if I would think about it for five more minutes if I'd still say David Allen Coe, but I was just listening to him yesterday while I was at work in the office. Every lyric that I listened to made me laugh because it was in I work in an I work in an office and I am thinking if I play that stuff out loud people would look at me different. So All right, yeah, we know what song you're talking about. All right, let's move on to the next question. Good lord. I, I, I want to make a recommendation. Please look up the band. It's one of my favorite bands, The Devil Makes Three. Yes. Okay, I will. That's, I will. It's a good you know what? bluegrass band. It's like a kind of a bluegrass I, band. I was just gonna say I, I thought about it long enough. I think Old Crow Medicine Show is probably my okay. favorite band. At the time, 
Okay, well then I'll tell you this. In three weeks, when you listen to all of Devil Makes Three on binge, <laughs> just text me and say thank you so much for the Devil Makes Three. <laughs> I will, man. I will. Can I add? I just I heard this bluegrass band. They're called Breaking Grass, and I heard these guys. Man, they are killing it right now. They've been around forever. It was the first time I heard them. So since we're throwing out bands we like, but continue, Kurt. Moving right along. Uh, favorite outdoor magazine. Oh, Favorite outdoor go. magazine is, you know, quite honestly, uh, Field and Stream uh, I liked a lot because although most of the stuff I read were those, like, side columns of a page, you know, but I, I really liked everything from the, uh, you know, crazy experiences that people would write in about and, and contribute to that magazine, just, just sending them in and, pe- and, and and they would tend to post them but, or, or publish them, but... Uh, I had a lot of things that I could learn from that magazine when I was growing up. I, maybe that's just because, you know, my grandpa had a subscription. I spent a lot of time with him, and, and I, so I, I read just about every word of, of Field & Stream magazine, the older ones especially. Cool, cool. Uh, favorite bow brand? I got to go with, uh, for, for compounds, I got to say Matthews, uh, just because I shoot a Matthews. So. Being uh, from Wisconsin? No, yeah, typical Wisconsin yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, man. I just, uh, to be honest, to be perfectly honest with you, I shot a old PSC for the longest time that was a hand-me-down. I shot a bear that was a hand-me-down from an uncle that was from the 80s. And then I shot a 90s PSC, like early 90s PSC that was a compound, but the thing was big enough that it looked like a recurve or something. It was so weird looking. <laughs> um, I killed an awful lot of deer with that thing, though, but uh, the only in the last, you know, seven or eight years have I actually put money towards uh, good bows and for some reason the Matthews I liked the way they looked and their marketing was so awesome that it sold me and that's why I started shooting them and I guess I got lucky because they are super comfortable in my hand um, versus any other bow I've shot you know I like I, I have respect for everything you know Hoyts and Bowtex uh, shot in their, in their great bows and there's nothing against them, but uh, Matthews just speaks my language, I guess. So I, I shoot think, a Halon six. I think this now, guy's a Mountain Dew drinker. He saw the Lost Camo Mountain Dew. Like, ah, I got to get whatever bow that is. <laughs> okay, backstrap or jerky, dude? I'll take a backstrap all day. Shit, I'll almost eat that raw. I love that. <laughs> oh my man! <laughs> Favorite outdoor related show. Favorite outdoor related show. Um, I, I really like watching Midwest Whitetail. Uh, those are some do-it-yourselfers, public land hunters, and even the private land hunters. I, I like that they show the the work that they put into it. I'm not, you know, and again, I have nothing against dudes that, that, that do food plots. I just, I've never gotten into it. Um, maybe it's a lack of equipment, or maybe it's because I I mostly wind up on public land or the private I hunt is mostly swamp land because it's easier to get permission on. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, having a food plot isn't always been available to me. So uh, sometimes I, I get kind of lost when I'm watching those guys. Um, you know, I don't really enjoy watching them um, make food plots or, or plant them. I just, it seems like so cliche now to watch a tractor go by and throw in seed out or something like on every show. But I when I see that. those guys, when I see these guys put the work in that I do, like they're scouting in the summertime on public land. You know, that, that to me, it speaks my language a little bit. So I, I watched just about every episode of Midwest Whitetail. That's been a popular answer recently. 
Yeah, it has been. It's it's a good show. Um, this is not meant to be as self serving as it seems. Um, and we asked favorite podcast because one, it, it maybe is a little self serving. Oh, but for two, sure I want to grow. Like it's we as podcasters, we need to grow the whole podcasting genre media as a whole because yes. podcasting, I feel like, is the future of a lot of things of information, of entertainment, of of fun, of everything. Favorite podcast, whether it's a hunting podcast or general entertainment podcast, what ones? What's your favorite, and what ones do you listen to? Sure, I've done podcasts with now with you guys. I've done it with uh, uh, Where to Hunt. I've done it with um, Big Buck Registry, and I've done uh, a podcast with um, Doc Tucker. And uh, you know, you guys are all everybody's been great and equally friendly, and conversation has really flowed. But if I'm speaking completely honest, my favorite experience doing a podcast was um, Doc Tucker's. And, and the reason is because it's, it's video. Uh, we use Skype. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you show both sides of the fence. You can see the facial reactions and stuff. And it, it's really, you know, and you can cut the audio and you, can, and you can put that on iTunes or, you know, put the audio on YouTube if you want. But for the guy that's sitting there and wants to watch it, uh, that can be entertaining too, and I'll and I'll tell you, Doc isn't like com- competition by any means in the sense that he he's not trying to make a you know a real go at this beyond he's just a guy who's looking to you know help help folks out and give people a voice, right? And we, I we've think talked he's to only him done before. Two. Yeah, and I think he's only done two. He's done me and he did Chancey Walters, uh, and I think he's trying to set something up with Shea Peterson too, and and I'm sure he'll he'll interview. Jared as well, but beyond that, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if he's planning on doing more than that or, or what his his plan is. But I I thought that was a really cool format. Yeah, cool, yeah, something so, different. We'll have to, well, we've talked to him before. I think after oh man, I think going back as far as the first episode we did with Jared Scheffler, which was episode fifteen. Is that was it fifteen? Yeah, Good episode Lord. fifteen was our first one with uh, Jared. So it was many moons ago, way back for us, um, which is super cool. Um, if you had to pick, we'll go down to uh, typical deer or non-typical deer. Oh man, I'm all about the freaks, man. I, I like deer like I like my women. <laughs> yeah, best answer ever. Abnormal points. <laughs> you, you know. Uh, you know, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. What's the next question? <laughs> next, yeah, next question. Um, if you had to pick one superhero power to have, what would it be? Oh man, it would be. Uh, it would probably. Uh, I guess it would be just um, X-ray vision or something. I'd oh like to, my I'd like, man! Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, this is kind of like finish the sentence. You can see all those abnormal points. <laughs> <laughs> finish the sentence, fill in the blank. Uh, during hunting season, my wife blank. During the hunting season, my wife, uh, she she has ups and downs, happy and sad, but loves me at the end of the season. <laughs> Hanging on by a thread. All of my tree stands are blank. Uh, sold. Except for my lone wolf, my my carrion, uh, I've sold every single tree stand I ever owned. Which is, well, this last lease I had, I had the rest of them on. Uh, I had nine out there, and every one of them I sold to the new owner that bought the property. And uh, and I don't care because 
to be quite honest with you, um, you know, I've known Dan Insult for quite a while, and and he really is the the reason why I bought a lone wolf in the first place, and and I love to hang and hunt. So when I'm tree stand hunting, I don't like to hunt the same tree more than you know once or twice. Keep deer guessing, keep them on their toes. I've hunted on the defense quite a bit, sharing a property with somebody. Uh, you know, you learn how to hunt around others, and a lot of times you run into guys that get married to their stand. Um, whether it's the only stand they have or they put in so much time that they're unwilling to give up until they score. Well, you find real fast how fast deer figure that out. And uh, I've learned to hunt around them, and being able to hang and hunt wherever I go is, is truly a benefit. So I own one tree stand now. Sure, I, I can respect that for sure. Um, I just buy so many of the cheap ones and hang and hunt. That's kind of my strategy around that. When I get sick of one, I'm like, I'll just add another one because you never know. Um, during the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. Yeah, I hate to screw up your question, but dude, there is no off season. Yeah. Not, That's an answer. Truly, there truly is no off season. I mean, if, if we're not bow hunting or gun hunting, we are shed hunting or we are scouting or we are morel mushroom foraging or I'm fishing. Uh, it's just, it never ends, dude. It just is a, it's a cycle and it never stops turning. That is, that's a common answer. That's one I expect. And if I keep getting, I'm going to have to change it, word it up to be like, other than anything outdoor related, my favorite hobby is blank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, dude, I, I do a ton of writing, um, as I told you before and video editing. So my, I guess, if I'm perfectly honest with myself, you know, a lot of things that I used to enjoy doing uh, before I, I had a family and a full-time job and stuff, a lot of those things, sadly, I don't have the time for. So I have to pick and choose what I'm going to devote my time to if I'm not outdoors. Right. And and, uh, and writing is, uh, is something that I, I don't take casually. I mean, I really enjoy writing, whether somebody reads it or not. And, uh, and I also really love editing footage. Um, building building a story with film is uh, it's a it's an art form and and I really I really am enthused about that. So awesome. Um, yeah. One more. When I'm bored in the tree stand, I like to blank. When I'm bored in a tree stand, uh, I think I would like to start thinking about not hunting anymore because <laughs> I cannot really get bored. I mean, I and I know it sounds like yeah, but you know you, you try to like make yourself sound like oh boy like so into the outdoors or whatever. But dude, I I truly there's nothing. If you if you run out of things to look at and keep you interested and occupied with with your mind when you're up in a tree, you're not hunting in the right spot. Uh, you see so many things. I mean, last season I had an owl uh, that was so cool, and I mean it was sitting there like on a branch three feet away from me and i don't i don't know if he knew i was there and he just was buddying up or if he wanted to eat my eyes because he thought i was a squirrel and i blinked or what but he sat there for long enough that i just i just couldn't believe i've never been that close to an owl before you know what's funny uh, about owls i swear they're good luck and steve swears they're oh bad yeah luck. they're bad luck every time uh <laughs> i had a weird experience with an owl like i i never realized how big their wingspan was so I saw one fly, like, swooping down at a tree about 15 feet from me. They're monsters, but they're bad luck. And every time they're you bad hear, luck because every owl sees you because it's like you no, can't every, not see you, especially every, if you're an owl. Every time you hear an owl, hoot, you know, do the hoot, 
You're not going to see deer. No, that's and you wrong. know what? No, no, because no, I dated a girl, and her whole thing You're was dumb. owls, and You're she dumb. loved collecting owls, and it didn't work out. So they're bad luck. They're well, good. Why luck. do you think they're good luck? I almost had an owl land on me the morning I shot my buck last season at six yards. I had a, I saw a red fox on the other side of the ridge running across from my right to my left. As I was watching him, I was going, <laughs> trying to call him in, and then an owl swooped in, almost landed on me. Okay, was it and an owl? Are you it, sure? It was a, yeah, it was an owl. I'm 100% positive. Mm. It landed right next to me. I think you're just dumb and don't spend enough time in the woods. No, I, I think you're just lying, and it wasn't an owl. It was a red-tailed hawk. Red-tailed hawks are good luck. So, you yeah. got it. I'm going to punch him, Sam. Can I punch him? I want to do it right now. Let's get back on Well, just think about this. I mean, if you, if you, you, when you play this back and you listen to this, right, this, this conversation we're having right now, isn't this why we do it? I mean, if we're really <laughs> bored is. and spending so much time on our phones or something when we're in our stands, like, we're missing it. I mean, yeah, it's already sad enough that you know families can't just sit together and have a conversation at dinner without checking phones and whatnot. You go out to eat and you see a couple on a date or something, and it's like somebody's on their phone, or or they they stay off it to appease one another, and then the other one gets up to go to the bathroom, and you see the other one that stays at the table immediately, rip their phone out and check Facebook or something. It's like, what if this is the direction we're going? With it, it's really it's not the right direction, and. And and when I'm in a tree, I do bring my phone, but it is mostly to text the guys when I when I kill a big one, or it's you know check the time or something like that. But I, I don't like to spend a lot of time on my phone. I like to really just look around and and whatever. One what? thing I don't do is fall asleep in the stand. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, you like to look around at what? Sorry, I was checking Instagram. I, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and but no, but you know you you listen to what we're talking about. You're right. So. So what we've we've detoured now. We've been we've probably put eight or nine minutes into just discussing stories of what we've seen from the stand. Oh, right? for sure, seen, yeah. It's in that right there. That is almost why. That's like part of why we do it. So, anyways, that's right. that's a really it's a it's a truthful answer. Is is that uh, I just don't get bored in the stand. I'll, I'll quit hunting. It's just like fishing, man. I, I fish muskies and. There's a lot of guys out there that that don't give credit to a small muskie. That thing is thirty, you know, cookie cutter size is thirty or thirty two inches. Maybe well, a lot of guys will will shake it off the hook and just forget about it. But I'll still, you know, I'll, I'll handle it with care and I'll let the thing go. But I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna remember it, and 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 it means a lot. And if I ever lose that passion, that's when I got to start second guessing what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. I think they call that the 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 fish of a ten thousand cast, yeah. but. Uh, that's an awful lot. Speaking of awful lot, we're uh, running short on time here. We got to wrap it up. Sam, what haven't we covered? Any shout outs you have? Any thank yous? Where can people find you? This is your chance to just get it all out right now. Yeah, man. Uh, I just uh, I'm I'm grateful that you guys have me on here. Um, if you haven't checked out the Huntmore app, uh, I hope that you will. Uh, you can check us out online at huntmore.io. Uh, to see our landing page and, and learn a little bit about what it's about. Chase Nation, awesome. I hope you guys will check that out. I've seen, uh, you know, a couple of you, uh, have, have recently started following it and, and I hope you enjoy it too. And, um, and, and then, uh, of course, if you're not watching Whitetail Adrenaline, you really gotta pay attention because some of that stuff is, is just on a whole nother level. For sure. So. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. We've had a blast. We, I think we covered a lot. Sam, you are welcome any ba- back anytime. To What's do an his episode. last name? Yubel. Ah, my man. It, guys. Right. You're welcome back anytime, man. You really are. I think that there's 
plenty more podcasts we can do. We'd love to have you in studio if you're ever passing through the area. Um, to all the listeners, workingclassbowhunter.com. This podcast will be under featured episodes. Mm-hmm. We have some videos linked in there underneath the podcast from Chase Nation, um, as well as all the links where you can find Sam on any, any platform of social media. Um, so be sure to check everything out there. Um, of course, go to iTunes, rate, subscribe. Um, we got to thank everyone. Check out Whitetail Adrenaline, like Sam said, of course. And then uh, a lot of things are coming up here quick. We're, we got a lot to take care of. Um, so you guys got anything to add? No, man. Uh, thank you, Sam Ubel. Yeah. I got it right to for uh, for joining yeah. us. Man, that's all I got. This has been a great episode. Sounds like yeah, you hustle. Thanks, guys. Sounds like you hustle, Sam, and you just got another like. I just like Chase Nation. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate hey, dude, it. I appreciate it. I truly do. And, uh, hey, it's been really good time talking to you guys, and, and I got to visit you because I think your studio is, is very cool. So I'd love to sit in there and chat with you boys, have some beers. We'll have some bush lattes waiting right. for you. We'll Sam- breeze it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, hit it, we'll hit it with an ozone, some scent crusher. All right, man. Sam, stick around on the phone real quick. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We have a lot of big things planned for you guys, so we appreciate you with us uh, sticking with us. It means a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. We appreciate every one of you. We've Sin- got the shoot coming up. Don't forget that. Yeah, May 6th, I May believe. 6th, yes, sir. It's going to be the shoot. Uh, we'll have a special code. Message us for the code. We'll let you know. Right. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening. We love you. Go shoot your bow. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But... As I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.